Growing up, I had a deep skepticism toward modern art. Statements about the meaning of the works were often vague and unhelpful. The frequently sloppy and careless appearance contributed to this feeling that a pot of paint had been flung in my face. But above all, it was the lack of identifiable subject matter that left me cold. What was I looking at? How do the visual elements fit together? What does it mean? I was at a loss. While in college, I had the very good fortune to take an art history class on the subject with a professor who loved modern art. She was able to help me look at those paintings in a new way and to see the connections and logic of the artwork, breaking down that barrier of incomprehension between the artist and myself. I am still not sure how much modern art qualifies as great art, but I have a deeper appreciation for the works and the efforts of the artists, an understanding that was only possible through the mediation of another. My youthful incomprehension seems similar to that of Jesus' disciples at the beginning of today's gospel as they grapple with recent events. Even though Jesus predicted his crucifixion, its violence and messiness prevent them from seeing the image of the promised Redeemer of Israel. How do the pieces fit together in a way that makes sense? All the signs and mighty deeds seem to point to Israel's promised vindication. What went wrong? And then, into their disheartened confusion, walks Jesus, who proceeds to unfold for them an entirely new way of reading the Law and the Prophets, in which his suffering and death are not a failure, but the promised fulfillment and redemption for which they had hoped. Jesus provides them with an interpretive key that shows how the Law and Prophets did not merely predict this outcome, but even more, that they are veiled manifestations of Christ's own life, almost incarnations. This is a fine distinction, but an important one. As Jesus opens the scriptures to Cleopas and his friend, he reveals his life extending back into the history of Israel. And when he breaks the bread at table with them, he reveals his life extending forward into the future, in the life of his church. This extension of Christ's life into the future becomes more obvious when we take a closer look at the second half of St. Luke's narrative, the Acts of the Apostles. As we heard last Sunday, one of the essential characteristics of the Church from its earliest days was the breaking of bread with each other, continuing what Jesus himself began. But Luke also signals the presence of Christ's life when he interprets the ongoing events in the life of the Church by reference to Old Testament texts. In his Gospel, it is Jesus whom Luke presents as the fulfillment of prophecy. In Acts, prophecy is fulfilled by the Church. This does not mean that prophecy can be applied to either individually, but that a single vital principle unites the two. It is the unique life of Christ seen both in himself as head and in his body, the Church. This shared life is only possible because of the Easter mystery we are celebrating during this season. By baptism, we are incorporated into Christ, and the scriptures that speak of him thus speak of his body, the Church, and of all the baptized. We receive in this a great gift, for when events in our lives do not make sense to us, when things are uncertain, we may look to the Gospels and to the history of Israel to help us bring things into focus and see the image of Christ in ourselves. 
We are living in unusual times. Our city, state, nation, and world continue to struggle to combat the coronavirus. For six weeks, the doors of the church have been shut, and most of the faithful have been unable to frequent the sacraments. There are health fears and economic fears. We had hoped that the stay-at-home order would soon be lifted, but the situation remains uncertain. People are beginning to protest. Political wrangling and finger-pointing continue. What are we to do in this time of exile? How can this interpretive principle of looking to sacred scripture help us? I have called this a time of exile because exile is an important theme in Israel's history, especially the Babylonian exile following the destruction of Jerusalem and the Temple in 587 BC. The Israelites were far from home, with no place to offer sacrifice to God. Among them were some who stirred up the exiles, prophesying that they would soon return. When the prophet Jeremiah heard of this, he wrote to them, The exile would not end soon, but would last seventy years, he told them, and these other would-be prophets were lying to them. He tells them the word of the Lord, urging them, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, and I will restore your fortunes, and I will gather you from all the places where I have driven you, and I will bring you back. How long will our stay-at-home coronavirus exile last? I do not know. I had hoped that in a week's time, seven weeks from when it began, I would once again see the pews filled with friends and join with you all in offering the sacrifice of the Mass. But it will be longer. Yet, short or long, I am sure that none of this can possibly be outside God's providence, that it is all part of his plan for us full of hope and glory. The sense of loss we feel and our longing for the sacraments and those who are absent is not foreign to our Lord. It is the same sense of loss and longing experienced by the exiles as they mourned ruined Jerusalem. More importantly, it is Christ's own sense of loss and longing for all of us who are separated from him by sin. His longing will only cease when he has united all creatures in himself. It is the yearning love that led him to the cross. Strengthened by this thought, let us, like the exiles of Israel, seek the welfare of our city. Let us be voices of peace and calm in the midst of contention and fear. Let us cry out to God with all our hearts, trusting that he who ransomed us with the precious blood of his own Son will preserve us now. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or coronavirus? No. I am sure that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, who died for us, that we may live in him.